Alright everybody, welcome back to the final episode of Project Podcast. Um, my name is Cam, and I'm joined with Rosie. Hello everybody. Um, today we will be discussing David Lynch's film Blue Velvet. Yep. Uh, yeah, so like, uh, as Cameron said, this will be our last podcast. Uh, well, last project podcast. Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be moving on to a, a different uh, podcast project. <laughs> we're we're basically doing a new series. We're gonna end this project podcast and start a brand new one with a little bit higher production value. Yeah, just taking everything that we've learned and then kind of yeah, exactly as Cameron said, just putting a lot more. Not to say that we haven't been putting effort in this, but putting a lot more effort into. Uh, what we're going to be producing from here on out, so and, uh, it won't it won't be it won't be coming out uh, don't, don't like too soon. It'll be a little bit just because uh, uh, I'll be moving and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, this the, the, yeah final episode of Project Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> putting everything when when the when the the new podcast comes out, uh, it'll be on Spotify, Apple Music, all those other podcast uh, platforms like actual music platforms too so it'll be a little bit easier to listen to uh, for people that are just not uh used to just going on youtube and listening to a podcast either so definitely yeah that 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 is the the big one especially yeah that we we talked about and wanted to do but anyways uh today we are talking about blue velvet yeah um so I wanted to ask you before we started talking about this, have you seen any other David Lynch films? The only one I saw was that, I think it was a Netflix special. It was, uh, what would Jack do? And it was like with a monkey that like committed a crime. And it was one of the weirdest things that I watched. And I think I watched like (laughs) maybe like 10 minutes of it. And then I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm watching. And then I turned it off. (laughs) I, I actually don't know what that is, but uh yeah he is a weird weird filmmaker there's a bunch of like random well seemingly random stuff in his films i think it's you should check i think i'm pretty sure it's a netflix exclusive i could be wrong but it's called what would jack do and it's basically like i don't know it's been so long i didn't even realize he did it until we watched this movie but he like sits like either him or someone else like sits in a room with a monkey and just him and the monkey start talking and yeah, that's uh, that's that's about all I can I can say about it. It was it was interesting. That sounds weird. <laughs> it was very it weird. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm a pretty big David Lynch fan. I before this, I had seen Mulholland Drive and Eraserhead, and I've watched a bunch of his short films, and I've actually read a book that he wrote. It was kind of like an autobiography, and also about his creative process basically and he's a really interesting guy um yeah how would you describe like would you say you're a bigger fan of his short film stuff like his movies or or do you just like like being able to know about like his creative process through reading his book and stuff like that well partly i read the his book as a way to inspire myself and figure out new ways to um figure out my own creative process, if that makes sense. And his short films, I would say, because most of them are, or most of the ones that I've seen at least, are before he's done features. And they are mostly just like art pieces, basically. So 
they're even more out there and you just kind of have to know that they're they're pretty artsy and weird yeah but yeah that uh, I could definitely see that uh, watching that monkey film. <laughs> because he he started his career as wanting to be a painter. And there his very first short film, uh, basically he wanted to create like a painting that moved kind of. I, I could be wrong, but this is what I remember from reading the book that he like wanted to do something new with the medium of uh, painting. And so what he did was he set up four statues and they were like basically like white marble statues. And then he made a video that he projected onto the statues of like different paints that he did. And eventually like all the statues throw up and like he projects all these crazy images onto the statues and this art piece that he made kind of blew up. Um, it's super provocative and interesting and just like a little creepy i i would definitely recommend watching it huh so i i I heard i heard like before i went into this or i think it might maybe it was from a trailer or something um does david lynch have like like a reputation for having a bit of like a twisted mind he does so um there's stories of him going to the store with his 10 year old son when they, when his like when his kid was little and they would go buy a rotisserie chicken and then they would Hmm. cut it up, like cut up all the pieces of it. So like the wing, the leg and all that. And then they would like take Polaroid pictures of it and move around all of the parts (laughs) of the chicken. So they would like put the wing on the foot and the foot where the head should be. And they would like take pictures of it. That sounds I, a bit of like something a serial killer would do. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently in real life he's like a super nice guy and um yeah, like you wouldn't really be able to tell that he has all the like the twisted mind stuff going on. Hell yeah. Well, that's interesting. What do you what do you think about Blue Velvet? Is this the first time you've watched it? This was the first time that I've seen it all the way through. Um, I've tried to watch this movie two times before and both times I like either was too tired to finish it or I like had other work to do. I think I had to go to practice or something the second time I watched it, but I only got halfway through both times. So this was my first time seeing it all the way through. And this was a movie that I had wanted to watch for a really long time, just like being a fan of David Lynch. Because this is kind of the movie that uh, projected him into... Into like, the spotlight. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gave him some universal uh, acclaim, I suppose. Right, yeah. This is what kind of like gave him some like recognition. Exposure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I also forgot to mention that how I got into David Lynch when we were talking about like if you'd seen any David Lynch stuff, uh, Twin Peaks is a TV show that he did in oh, the nineties. Oh, he 90s. did. I had no idea he did Twin Peaks. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. I just wanted to say that too. Twin Peaks uh, is awesome. Okay, hell yeah. Okay, I guess I do know a bit more of uh, David Lynch than I than I thought I did. Then, if that's the case, was he a writer? Mm-hmm. Or just because that, yeah, that that show was huge. That was like one of the first. Well, regardless, that's a, that's a different topic. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Back to, back to Blue, Bel- Blech, Blue Velvet. Um, 
so like what what you've been trying to watch it for a while what's your like thoughts on it i suppose um yeah i really liked it um it was it was interesting to see because like I said before this, the, the the films of his I've seen are Eraserhead and Mulholland Drive. And Eraserhead is very like symbolic and out there. Like it, it's a super artsy type of film. That's the first movie that he made. And then Mulholland Drive um, is, I feel like, one of his more popular works. Um, but seeing blue velvet as a more like traditional narrative structure versus his like more artsy movies it's uh, now looking back at Mulholland Drive it seems like uh Mulholland Drive is like a mix between the two of like the narrative aspects of blue velvet but with also the symbolism and like rich art stuff from Eraserhead in Mulholland Drive if that makes sense that make, yeah, that makes sense. I haven't seen those two movies, but uh, you, you described that pretty well. Mm-hmm. I thought, personally, I thought the uh, I thought they did a good job building up like the mystery. I was pretty like engaged with the story, but at a certain point, like when like it all came like together and like he found out that it was uh, Frank Booth, correct? I think that's his name. Yeah. Yep. Um the main villain and you and you figure out that he has uh this girl's son and a husband locked away and he's just some crazy psycho killer um i don't know i i I think the story lost interest for me personally um i guess we could talk about the story right now um basically what the movie is about is this guy named jeffrey beaumont comes uh, he's like a college student and he comes back to his hometown because his dad's in the hospital and while he's back he finds this ear that's been cut off and so he brings it to the police office well and... can we i okay so, sorry not not to interrupt but i i would like to talk about because the, the first scene is like um showing like the very first scenes like the opening shots is like of the classic like happy town like you know yellow tulips uh white picket fence america like people waving you know mm-hmm. um and when his and it has like all that happy go lucky music yeah um and then it shows whatever happens to his dad like he has like a seizure or something mm-hmm. um but as he as he falls like it kind of like dives into the grass and the music fades away and like there's just like uh this intense like I don't know what like just just not a pleasant sound like a, a lot of like digging I guess. yeah but, yeah but it just shows like uh-huh. a bunch of a bunch of bugs and it's really like ants nasty. and cockroaches and stuff yeah and and like obviously like even even before you know anything about the movie you're like oh well they're uh contrasting um like what this town is on the outside versus like the evil within with that with that shot mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like when reflecting on it, I just thought, well, we'll, we'll uh, I'll explain more as we we go th- further in the story. But I feel like, I feel like this story, like the whole thing with uh, Jeffrey and finding out about this criminal and all this stuff, it didn't really like yell to me like fucked up. Like there's something super evil on 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 the inside of this place. It wasn't like 
like a uh, hot fuzz or something not hot fuzz what the hell yeah. is that other movie is, what, is it hot fuzz I'm getting yeah it is movie. hot fuzz yeah uh-huh. it's not like I, I, I don't know yeah like i expect yeah, it to be something like that saying. yeah yeah where there's um, like a deep-rooted conspiracy going on yeah but but yeah it, like it, that's kind of like what I, what I felt like it was i it was obviously like that's what it was trying to like push on you but it never felt like it was that big of a deal it kind of always felt like well, it's just some criminal dude. Like every every town's got one. I guess the only thing that there is one character, um, that's connected with the police that I guess you can kind of. Yeah, uh, talk about with the corruption. Yeah, but even then, he's like such a small part of the story. Like he really has like, he, he really doesn't matter in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. Um, but sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, you were You're talking good. about. I you were I on... just yeah I wanted to give just like the general plot. Uh, summary like the back of the blu-ray case basically so anyway he jeffrey finds his ear and he brings it to the police station um because he wants to hopefully like help or whatever get some answers like why he found this random ear in the grass and then um basically the police tell him to not really um like but give any just, attention to it it's not like worth anything and basically he falls down this rabbit hole of this big mystery trying to find out what happened to this ear mm-hmm. well he gets uh because he talks to a detective who is his dad's friend um mm-hmm. and then he has like a slight love interest with his daughter uh the detective's daughter and the detective's daughter gives him this small clues that gives him um like just what she heard from his dad's office and shit like that which kind of like helps him start his investigation and and to how this ear got here and um it basically leads him to yeah like 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 we said earlier this woman who is has her child and husband like basically kidnapped by this psycho killer like sex addict who does some drug i don't know what it's um it is called um nitric oxide um in in an interview speaking about this film dennis hopper who plays the villain frank booth was saying that like at the time of this movie being made he had kind of he had just gotten out of rehab for drugs and alcohol and stuff and he had just started being sober again and he he was reluctant at first to play this character because like this was everything that he had been like trying to avoid in his life and then originally the script had the gas that he inhales as helium and he was like so they they were actually doing it on set like it was just like a helium tank that he was inhaling and then what just continually like inhaling helium fuck with you (laughs) i think it it does kill brain cells yeah (laughs) if you like if you like did like a canister of helium a day on each set like (laughs) (laughs) well so he had like a super high-pitched voice and everything and dennis hopper was like can we like change this like it seems weird that his voice gets really high pitched like it seems less menacing so like he's like oh like you should make it nitric oxide and david lynch was like oh what's that and dennis hopper explains that it's it's a drug that's used by sexual deviants that kind of disorients your mind for a few minutes and yeah it's basically just used in like weird sexual acts I guess that makes sense. That that explains a bit more of the scenes. Um, but then in that interview, he talks. Dennis Hopper is like, 
yeah, like that's just like a such a weird David Lynch thing. Like, could you imagine if the villain just had like a high pitched voice when he was like doing all this crazy shit? And he was like, that would be like super weird and interesting in itself. Like, I kind of wish that I wouldn't have made the suggestion to change it. <laughs> did you did you think Frank's Booth character was effective in being menacing? Yeah, I thought he because for me it was like I was trying to put myself in that position and I was like I would be terrified. If yep. I was like just trying to help out this girl and this guy came yeah acting like this, I was like I would be shitting. <laughs> the only part where I felt like I I was feeling uh Jeffrey's like like oh shit, like you know in the moment was when he was uh, originally broke into Dorothy's apartment. And then witnessed, uh, like, Frank's character for the first time basically rape her. And, uh, and he's just, like, sitting in there, like, just hoping that nobody, like... Well, yeah, he, at first, like, she comes and finds him, and that's already scary. And then, like, he's mm-hmm. hoping that... And then, obviously, he comes in, and he's, like, way more crazy. I thought that was pretty, like, spooky. That'd be pretty fucking terrifying, but... Oh, yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought his character was a little strange. I didn't mm-hmm. find it that menacing, if I'm gonna be honest. I thought I thought it was at the beginning it was good, but then like once he became more prevalent, I don't think it was because um <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think it was because of his acting either. I don't know. I think it was just his character didn't seem like right to me. Because he, <laughs> he, he, he he felt like he felt like he was a character like he should have been on his own, and then he kind of had like this whole crew of people working with him, and I was like. Why though? Why 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 does he have all these people like with him? It doesn't really mm-hmm. make too much sense to me. Yeah. No, now that you mention the um that like you you thought it was gonna be like a deep rooted conspiracy like hot fuzz and watching through this, because I knew there was like gonna be some sort of like like you said, like a uh, darkness beneath the surface of this town, and I thought it was gonna play into like like a sex ring or something that the the cops were involved in and that's why at the beginning the main detective guy was like don't worry about this like you'll get into trouble this way and then i thought that i i honestly thought what was going to happen was that cuz his dad owns that hardware store and i was like oh his dad seems like everybody knows his dad in this yeah, town yeah i thought i thought his dad was going to be involved too but I thought his dad was going to be part of it, and that was, like, what happened to him at the beginning was they were, like, kind of taking him out. That's exactly what I thought, too. Yeah. Now that you say that, that the the kind of, like, the reveal seemed not as, uh, not as good. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> and then, and then, and then they had the thing where it was, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm the type of person that, like, when, um like analogies or something are made in a movie i like having like evidence that points to like multiple different things not like one thing that's like because uh i guess what i'm saying because like at the beginning you see the bugs um Mm -hmm. just like really up close and nasty and that's supposed to as as we've said like uh resemble the evil of of the town but then at the ends or like towards the middle of the movie uh the detective's daughter Jeffrey's love interest talks about a dream she had where she was like what what some bird I forget what bird she talks the, about the robin the robin where she's like robins come and they like have all this love and blah 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 and then at the very end of the movie a robin has uh, a bug in its mouth 
And it's like, oh wow, it's almost like Jeffrey was the love who got rid of the evil in it, just like the bird and the bug. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I, don't know, I just I, don't like on that on, on that type of like on the nose type shit kind of bugs me if I'm being honest. Oh yeah, I totally get that. Like at the end when it was like, oh look at the robin, I was like, uh, that's <laughs> kind of cheesy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I guess we could talk about. So a- after he hears about the, uh, after Laura Dern's character tells him to go to Dorothy Valen's apartment and he like fakes being the bug man to spray and he can steal the keys and Laura Dern was supposed to knock on the door to get her attention. And then the, but the yellow, the guy in the yellow jacket ends up knocking on the door and taking her attention away. And then whatever, he gets the keys and leaves the apartment. And he's like, why didn't you knock on the door? And she's like, Oh, some guy did, did my job for me. And I'm like, after watching it, we find out that the guy in the yellow jacket was another detective. And it was like, how did she not recognize him? Like, how did she not recognize that guy? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. And it, wait, isn't, isn't that his partner too? Cause like she, he comes to the house and he's like, Hey, let's go like later uh, on in the movie. Yeah, I don't know if they're partners, but they but were definitely both detectives. friends in they're the police both... force. They definitely know each other. Yeah, they're both detectives because it says he was a t- uh, detective on on his like fucking mm-hmm. nameplate and, like, or whatever. And and there's not like there's like only a certain amount of detectives in a in a fucking police department. I would imagine. I don't think there's like eighty of them, and you don't know all of them. Especially yeah, that, if that that's weird. if that guy if that guy was at their house too, like you know. I can't believe it. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. I didn't think of that. <laughs> also, yeah. like 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 I said when I said that I didn't really understand why Frank Booth, um, the villain, like had like all these groupies with him, and it was supposed to be like, oh, like there's all this secret stuff. He's like, and then he at the end he ends up killing that detective and like basically all his friends. And I don't know. It's just like it seems like that. Where, like why if if like that was a possibility, why were they with him? Like, they, couldn't they all have just done the same thing without him? And he could have just, like, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Because there was there was also that weird part about when Jeffrey was staking them out and they killed the drug dealer. And it was like, what was the point of that? Like, that, I feel like, had no purpose. It was just, like, showing them doing more bad shit. I don't know. Yeah. And then Frank Booth had that weird disguise that i completely forgot about which i don't know why i think i think that disguise that he maybe so he could hang out with the cop i guess well i think i think the disguise was like he killed the drug dealer in that disguise so he was coming back up to the apartment at the end to kill jeffrey in the disguise so that like so that they were like oh, these people got killed and there was a guy with, like, big bushy eyebrows and a bowl cut so that uh, he didn't get framed. That I don't know. But, yeah, that is a, a weird thing as well. Do you think... Um, do you think that Jeffrey's, like, fascination with this mystery was, like... I think after a certain point, I was like, well, shit, man, you, you, you already gone this far. You might as well continue with it. But, uh... I don't know. I feel I feel like it. There there could have been a better calling to action for him to get involved with all that than just coming. Finding the, fuck... the ear. Yeah. The, well, the finding the ear I thought was fine because then I was like th- that actually because I was intrigued too and like. Oh okay. But oh, um, it was like him just trying to help this girl get her kid back. 
Yeah, because, like, there's, there's, like, because after he finds out, like, some of, like, a little bit of what's going on, then for a bit, he's just kind of fucking um, Dorothy, and that's mm-hmm. how he's helping. And then, <laughs> yeah. like, and then he kind of learns more through that, so, I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know, man. Um, well, so, I think, that, well, so, there's an interpretation of this film that it's, like, a, like, a sexual awakening, basically, for him. And the way, I don't know, the way that I kind of saw it was, like, the character of Dorothy was almost, like, the, the, like, the easy kind of, like, like, the, the, the more, like, pornographic, commercialized sexual relationship that you, like, that, pe- that they, like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say just because it's like weird, but <laughs> yeah. But like, it's like the commercialized, like sex, like like porn industry, and like there's yeah, the porn like industry, like underneath idea. the surface image, I guess. Uh huh. And it was like that type of like sexual relationship is, I feel like, what's uh, like kind of promoted, like gives people like a weird idea of like what like a sexual relationship should be but then like Laura Dern's character almost represented the the more like pure like legitimate romantic love kind of sexual relationship and the way that I saw this film was almost like a like a like a sexual coming of age film if that makes sense yeah i i i could see how it could be interpreted like that mhm definitely um i don't know but then is that all all her character is though because she has like a kid and stuff and there's obviously like more to her so like was she like that way because she was so fucked up from frank booth because like she she mimicked a lot of what uh frank booth did sexually to her right Right. and that was that was another part that I thought was going to be like a David Lynchian thing too. That's kind of like, like I thought at the end it was going to be like, oh, Jeffrey and Frank are the same person because I thought it was going to be like, oh, like as he is having sex with Dorothy, he like eventually starts doing more of the things that Frank does to her, like hitting her and all that. And then there's the one line that Frank says to him that he's like, you're me and all that. So I thought like he was basically like Jeffrey was going to become Frank by the end of the movie or like there was going to come out that they were actually the same person. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think about that either. Like, yeah. Cause he, he does end up hitting her at one point and it's just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I guess there's something that in this movie that I I should be interpreting a bit more. This went over my head in that regard. Um I could I could definitely see it as like as you said interpreted as a as like some sexual awakening. May, may, yeah, maybe like Frank's character is like just that innate extreme desire, like just pure hormonal like fucking monkey brained i want to fuck everything mm-hmm. i don't know yeah and then uh because dorothy is that object um uh jeffrey was able to like tap into that i don't know yeah Maybe. that's just what i thought 
Um, and then just last part of the last thing I have to say about the actual content uh, the there's a line where Frank goes or I think it was when they went to the one guy's house what was that guy's name where they sing the song that's like oh the suave dude yeah the suave <laughs> guy anyway he like he walks into the house and he's like I'll fuck anything that moves and uh that's a line that Kevin Smith put in clerks as like an homage to this. Like there's a part where Jay is standing outside the quick stop and he's like, I'll fuck anything that moves yelling really? at that's, that's passersby. Funny. Yeah. That's how I actually got into David Lynch and like started watching David Lynch stuff was listening to Kevin Smith talk about David Lynch. That's interesting. I had no mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. And Kevin Smith has talked about how he's a big David Lynch fan. So that's kind of how I got into David Lynch. That's another thing. Like, what was that? I don't know. There was just a lot of, I, I, maybe I'm like reaching for stuff that like, I, I like, I want things to be explained more than they were, but yeah. Like, what was that? What was that suave dude's like point in the movie? So yeah. And then the, the suave guy at the end gets his ear cut off and we never found out whose ear ended up actually getting cut off at the beginning or like. You know, it's hinted that it's it's her husband, right? I think. Oh, that makes more sense. Maybe I missed that. Yeah. Well, in the in an interview, David Lynch, why why I think it like the theme of this movie is like about the sexual awakening and because uh, well, so one Jeffrey like starts out just like as an innocent character, and then David Lynch says in an interview about how he like why he needed the 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 catalyst for everything to start he said he needed it to be like a body part on the head and it needed to be like a hole so it was like oh the ear is like an opening that goes into like your mind basically and like obviously like a hole can be interpreted in like a sexual manner so yeah mm mm-hmm I bet because you said he wanted to be a painter too. I'm sure the whole Van Gogh thing helped him do that too. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. Um. Yeah. So I I don't really have anything else I want to mention about the plot. If you want to move into the background of this movie. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Let's talk. Tell me about the background. I'm curious. Um. So. One of the things that I just found interesting in general, especially when watching the the special features for this and antichrist and stuff is when the special features of these movies get made there's like documentaries of all the behind the scenes like i think that looks awesome to be or like just to have a camera guy on set also just like filming everything behind the scenes i thought that that was just kind of funny or something that's pretty cool that they do that i never really awesome job that would be an awesome job um but so so this movie is David Lynch's third film, which was made after he made Dune. So yeah, that uh, travesty. Mm-hmm. And so Dune kind of took away David Lynch's like love for film and stuff. Oh no, wait, actually this is his fourth film. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was wrong. This is <laughs> no, his fourth good. movie and it was made after Dune and this kind of like reinvigorated David Lynch's like ability 
to be like in film and stuff. And so after the like failure of Dune, it was really hard for him to get a budget and like a backing behind this because Dune basically was so bad and did so bad. But so most of the actors were paid like a very little amount uh, and they were like okay with it because they just wanted to work with David Lynch and just because they believed in his script and all that like they were just like they just trusted David Lynch and like thought it was going to be good so they like took a massive pay cut to be in this movie that's cool i you always like to hear that from actors mhm and then uh yeah basically when this film came out it was not not well received at all like even Roger Ebert didn't like it like he he hated it forever even like when people would tell him to rewatch it later in life he would just trash this movie and that's interesting yeah and when this came out people like walked out of the theater asked for refunds and a lot of the inter- I didn't think it was that bad I mean I, I didn't think I'm not a, I didn't think it was that's that's weird. Well, mostly because it like affected people so deeply in like negative ways because they they didn't like to see all the like sexual violence and they just like got pissed off about it and walked out. Like that's why Roger Ebert didn't like this movie is because he thought it was, like all the violence was like so gratuitous and misogynistic that he was like this movie is just like not good. I guess it was in the 80s, so people were a bit more sensitive to that. Mhm. Um, still though, I feel like when, when was like, I I don't know. I feel like this to me, it doesn't glorify it. I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, I agree. It doesn't glorify it. And like, it has something to say behind it. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, Jeffrey's character does do it, but like, he's reluctant. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that, like they don't, they don't paint it as like a cool thing. Yeah. I, I just kind of thought that it kind of parallels antichrist in a way where like people initially really hated it and it like slowly kind of gained a following like this is kind of a cult movie well i think it was kind of popular too when it came out because david lynch was nominated for best director um that year when it came out i think this uh, this is like his highest rated film i think at least like online nowadays yeah that's like a 93 or something on rotten tomatoes i don't know i'd have to look again Mm -hmm. but i know it was in the 90s yeah yeah um yeah there wasn't really that much background to it that's just what i had (laughs) dope um so yeah i just want to say that after talking about this i think my thoughts of this movie have actually changed over the course of this podcast from from how from what to what like i i thought it was like my what i have in my notes is a nine out of ten but i think after talking about it i kind of think it might be more of a six yeah um we give sixes a lot we do give sixes <laughs> a lot and, and and it's funny you say that because i think i would probably give it a six too we do give sixes a lot but like yeah. after talking about it there's like stuff that doesn't really make sense and I like the, the like like I said before, like the, really the only part that um like where I was like really like in, intrigued with the movie was like the initial like mystery of the ear. Mm-hmm. But then beyond that, I just kind of like began to lose interest a bit. I would have to agree. I mean, I was engaged the entire time watching it, but just like thinking back, like 
the reason why, like, I don't think, I, I don't know. After talking about it, I just don't think I'll ever go back and watch it. That's how I can always tell if I liked the movie or not is if I can go back to it. I don't, I don't think yeah. I'll probably ever re- revisit this movie. Like, uh, there's just I, like no reason to watch it. Like, I would go watch I, Antichrist again. Yeah. I might rewatch this movie, but then, yeah, like you said, we, we yeah, we should, we should just like end it. Um, maybe instead of doing ratings, we should just be like, would you watch this movie again? And what would be the scenario? Yeah. And may, maybe, maybe, I think if I were to ever watch this movie again, I don't know, it'd have to be like the only thing on TV and it'd have to be late at night or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I probably I wouldn't agree. watch it. Like I, I wouldn't sit down and be like, Hey, let's. I want to check this movie out. Yeah, I can't even think of the circumstance that I would watch this movie again. Yeah, because there was nothing. There was nothing like when I finished it where I was like, "Oh, that was cool." I was just kind of like, "Well, I guess that's how it ended." They had the uh, the burn after reading ending too. What's that? Where he gets shot from coming. Or actually, it's the opposite. If I'm I, I, for anybody who hasn't seen Burn After Reading, um. Go watch that. There's a death involving a closet as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Burn After Reading for a while. I, there was one night I was watching... This is random, just random thing, but I, there was one night I was watching it, and like 40 minutes in, I kid you not, like I was like, oh, this movie's so familiar because I have watched it before. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. All right yeah well thanks for tuning in everybody uh like we said this is the last project podcast episode so it's, it's been a good ride for sure uh we, we've definitely had a lot of fun doing it um expect bigger and greater things to come with podcrastinators and we don't know what the first episode will be but we promise it will be good <laughs> or <laughs> yeah it'll be a good episode but movie might not be good May- hopefully it's not a six though Hopefully, or either something really good or really bad. Yeah. But uh, until next... Actually, you know, I guess this is the end. So thank you if if for all the people who have listened to Project Podcast. It, it means a lot. Yep. Um, farewell. <laughs> yep. Hope to see you at the next one.